Hello everybody, welcome to the first episode of a new cinematography series where we are talking about a movie franchise that is very near and dear to our hearts. I'm your host Gizmo and with me today are my lovely Plummet co-hosts. First up, Mike, how are you buddy? Oh, did you welcome me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn it. No, not, not the other Mike. <laughs> Damn it. Don't make me go back into the editing booth. I don't want to. <laughs> I was literally like, I was just wrapping up this, this so that to, to export it and post up our other episode. Like it's been such a, such a. Ah. Anyways, sorry. this episode broke you. I think. Yeah. Mike yeah. Has been I think I dungeon. Yeah. I. I anyways, <laughs> literally, I was just like just checking to make sure it sounded okay, and I was gonna be like, okay, render now. But anyway, so yes, hi, how are you? I'm doing very well, very well thank you. Nice, nice. All right, uh, next up, Ed, welcome to this Alien cast. Yo, what's up? And lastly, King, what's up? Hey, everybody. Um, I hope you're staying warm out there because I don't know about you guys, but it's 10 degrees at my house and it's supposed to drop to negative eight tonight. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'm uh, sure it's terrible. <laughs> King, it's a brisk fifty-nine over here. I'm suffering. Exactly. All, all here we go. All you, all you need to know, wishes. Gizmo. Exactly. All you need to know, Gizmo, is that it's too cold for the xenomorph where I live right now. The xenomorph would be like, "Damn, get me a sweater for all these arms." Can, can you give me a reference point? What, what's the freezing point of water in thirty-two? Uh, thirty-two degrees. Oh, okay, that's so weird. Can we can we talk a minute about xenomorph biology? He's actually only got two arms and two legs. But what are all the sort of extraneous things that come out of his back? The tubes. You See, know? we're getting ahead of ourselves. We haven't even introduced the topic yet, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I even mentioned he doesn't have a forehead. He has like a 20 head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, this is going to be a good podcast. I can already feel it. All right. I mean, if you can talk about the xenomorph design later, um, let, let's first introduce what we are talking about. I'm, I have prepared a little history lesson. I hope it's not too boring, but um, we are obviously, we're talking about the movie called Alien that was directed by Ridley Scott in 1979. And I think most people probably associate Ridley Scott's most of the with the alien franchise because he was like the first director and stuff but he didn't actually come up with the idea for the movie uh, that was a script writer called dan o'bannon uh, he while he was working on a movie called darkster with john carpenter in the 70s like in the early 70s uh, he was like hey darkster darkster is kind of like a sci-fi movie that's pretty similar to alien in, in in premise but it's actually a comedy and he was like hey how maybe i should make a movie that's dark star but as a horror and so he came up with the idea for alien and um he worked on a script with um a buddy of his another screenwriter called ron chuset i hope that's pronounced correctly i don't know <laughs> um so they developed the basic plot for the movie and uh, pitched it to several studios and um, they pitched it as Jaws in Space, which I thought was kind of funny. But that kind of that works. It kind of. Yeah, kind of sort yeah. Of, I mean, I can see Definitely got Jaws. Jaws and Jaws. Um, but at the time, like space movies were not very popular. So um, they 
they actually signed a contract with a production company that, that had ties to 20th Century Fox. But 20th Century Fox was like, ah, space? No one cares about space. This, this is stupid. We're not going to do this. <laughs> this must have been pre-Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm coming to that. Because then, okay, yeah, in 1977, okay. Star Wars released, and suddenly 20th Century Fox was like, hey, space, that's a great idea. Let's go, guys. <laughs> And uh, so they, they greenlit the movie uh, with an initial budget of $4.2 million, which when, when you hear that number, it sounds ridiculous, right? Because uh, That's nothing. I mean, especially to, compared to today's standards. Yeah, even, today even you, you can more, make... Even in the late 70s like that, like movies were a lot more usually. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, today you, you probably... $4.2 million is probably the, the, the budget for one actor, <laughs> like one A-list actor or something. Um, they eventually bumped it up to 8.5 million because Ridley Scott convinced them. Um, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, they hired Ridley Scott as director. Uh, actually, Ridley Scott, I mean, nowadays we, we know him as the, the director of like Blade Runner and Gladiator and The he Martian. Just came out with um, Napoleon. He Napoleon. just made that movie. Napoleon. Did you see that? Because you're king, you're no, a big I did movie not. buff. Oh, I okay. am a big movie buff, but I've I've recently made a new rule: no movies over three hours in theaters anymore. I've got to pee. Yeah, I've got to pee, y'all. But uh, don't you do breaks in theaters when it's over three no. hours? No, no they, they don't do intermissions. Well, theaters, theaters oh, in in a capitalist like paradise are ruthless. That's, that's yeah, tough. they're also like I feel like a lot of movies these days start at like two and a half hours minimum. Ugh, yeah, it's terrible. brutal. Yeah. Not like this movie, cool. which was under two hours. So yes. that's pretty sweet. <laughs> it was at about two hours, right? Yeah, it was like yeah, an was. hour and 56 minutes, like mm -hmm. right around mm -hmm. there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Ridley Scott, uh, he actually had only uh, directed one movie before this uh, called The Duelist. Never heard of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but they were confident that he could do it. Um, it's also the duelist was like a period piece, something nothing even close to to uh, like a sci-fi horror movie. Uh, but I mean, great choice in retrospect, right? Um, mm -hmm. And O'Bannon, the screenwriter, had previously met um, H.R. Giger, uh, Hans Giger, a Swiss artist, um, on mm. a Dune project that was was supposed to be directed by Alejandro um, Jodorowsky, but uh, that fell through. Anyway, uh, O'Bannon met uh, Giger and was very impressed with the concept art that he did for the Dune movie, and um, they hired him to design the alien and uh, the, the relict ship and the pilot in the ship. So very cool, creepy designs, obviously. But Sorry, I gotta mm -hmm. I gotta direct you. By the way, if you've never seen it, the documentary on that failed Dune project is crazy, man. Like, had oh, okay. he gotten that off, that would have been an amazing movie. I think really weird, I, but amazing. I, I'm glad Mike derailed you too, Gizmo, because I was going to derail you with the exact same comment. <laughs> this this okay. documentary is so cool. What's it called, real quick? Dune uh, documentary. What's his last name again? Uh, Jodorowsky. Jo yeah, Jodorowsky's Dune. Dune. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's I. I'm a Dune head. I love this stuff. I'm reading yeah, a Dune that's... book right now in the series. I just can't get enough of this when you, stuff. When but, you watch um, that and you watch David Finch's uh, Dune, you're like, 
man, this is what we ended up with. And this like, is yeah, exactly. I'm excited for the new Dune, but um, bringing it back to H.R. Giger, this guy's art. Please just go Google him real quick, listeners. Yeah, just crazy psychedelic, really creepy slimy all over the kind of play style it's it's right up my alley man like he's done a bunch of album covers uh shout out to this guy he rules sorry we, we're just this is going to be us derailing you the whole time gizmo by the yeah, way yeah no that's totally <laughs> what a what quite, quite possibly one of the fathers of tentacle porn but not really but i, I just say like <laughs> like definitely got the organic ick factor down pat so oh for sure and it shows up in all the art throughout the the alien series yeah, I think he calls uh, calls his his style biomechanical designs or something. Yeah, yeah. very very much like um, biological stuff mixed with technology, and it's it's super weird, super creepy, and uh, super cool. <laughs> um, By the way, uh, Giz, do you yeah. know who did the mechanical design for this this uh, program? I'm hoping I I didn't mm. actually look this up because. This is also like, anyways, the, the, anyways, carry on, carry the, on. The, there are some other artists that are being mentioned, but I'm, I'm not sure who did what designs exactly. Um, I know that um, Ridley Scott, when he took over the project as director, he um, wanted a lot of the ship interiors and stuff to um, be modeled after like, or uh, with um, old plane parts and stuff. But we can talk mm. about the set design later on because I think set design is incredible. Yes. Um, yeah, that's one of the big one of my favorite things about this movie. But yeah, I mean that's actually everything I want to say about the history of the project. Um, obviously, we are gonna talk. Um, we're gonna do. <laughs> I forgot to mention we're gonna do a, a whole series about the alien movies. This is just uh, episode one uh, where we are talking about the first movie. But uh, Ridley Scott left the franchise basically um for a couple of movies and then came back in 2012 i think with prometheus i don't, I don't yeah know. that sounds about right he yeah he did direct that um so we will have to talk about him again in the future um yeah so next up i want to know how you guys got into this movie or what what your what your history is with the movie maybe let's start with ed yeah, uh, my history with this movie is kind of simple. I've seen bits and pieces when I was younger, you know, scrolling through TV. And mm-hmm. it was always one of those movies that would play often on like TNT or something yeah. like around here, like at night on weekend nights. Um, so I'd always seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen uh, the full movie until recently. Ooh. And you've never seen any of the alien movies like in its entirety no, before? No, it, it's, it's one of those things that me. just passed me by. Like, <laughs> it takes a lot for me to just like, um, to like sit down and watch a movie, especially one that, that mm-hmm. I wasn't primed for at the time. So like this came out 1979. So like all those older movies, especially coming from like immigrant parents, it's not like my parents had a background with any of this. Oh yeah, yeah. They, right, they, right. they know nothing about these movies, anything like that. So I didn't really have anyone to push me to watch these. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I definitely got some some like movies from my parents. So a lot of the older movies that I've seen as a as a child or growing up definitely came from my parents. So that's a good point. Yeah. Um. Next up, King. 
what's what is your history with alien oh man um i've i've got a long history with this I, i'll just come out and say it just so everybody knows right off from the top this is my favorite film franchise ever um the, I, this is how i consider it all the alien films are like my children <laughs> i love all of them even the ugly ones even the yeah. disappointing ones <laughs> Um, I'm proud of others, uh, some more than others, but that's just how, that's just how families work. You know what I mean? So this series is a part of my life. Um, my introduction from it came from, I can remember two vivid things. Uh, and, and we can talk more about it later because it, it, uh, somebody makes a funny cameo, but Spaceballs, the movie, uh, Mel Brooks, I am, he's my favorite, like one of my favorite directors ever, if not my favorite, um, there's the, the, the chest bursting scene from Spaceballs. And that was like my introduction, like as a little kid burned memory, like, whoa, what the hell is this? And remember the alien pops out. He's like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. absolutely love that. So I had no context for it, but I thought that was it. It scared me as a kid. Just that scene, even in the comedy movie, I was like, holy shit. Uh, and then if you guys remember, and if you had them in your countries, the restaurant Planet Hollywood. So uh, we would ha we had a Planet Hollywood in my town of uh, Baltimore, Maryland growing up, and they had a life-size xenomorph um, costume from the movie, from one of the movies. I'm not sure if it was the original one, but it, and if, in case you're not familiar, Planet Hollywood was a themed restaurant franchise that would gather Hollywood memorabilia. And you could look at it. It's like a museum that you could have shitty overpriced hamburgers at. So that's the best way I can describe cool. it. It's like, it's like a hard rock cafe that has like music memorabilia, but this is just for movies. So as a little kid, our local Baltimore one had a giant Xenomorph statue that scared the bejesus out of me. Um, and then I would have to later on. And, and, and just like Ed, it came on the TV all the time, all the different movies. Um, and I've been even a fan of the Prometheus stuff. Like I'm just excited for more alien content. So that's a little bit of my connection to this film franchise. Nice. Nice. Uh, Mike. So, uh, I've told the story multiple times now, but that's okay. My, my, uh, biggest thing is that, um, I, my mom was a big movie buff, but within reason like we didn't have a ton of money so she would just catch a lot of movies on tv and i would often watch for her so it was like around nine years old and one night we were my mom sees this movie called alien and it has a lot of stars on it and maybe she missed the part where it's rated r or whatever the case is she goes oh this might be good maybe it's like et who knows and so we put it on and it was not like et <laughs> yeah. and it scarred little young mike at the tender age of nine but uh my mom and i became fans and we ended up uh, watching quite a watching most all these movies together at some point or another and yeah that's how i became a big fan of aliens even though when i first watched this movie it gave me nightmares for like six months straight like i kid you not i cannot remember oh, how many yeah. times wake up in the middle like going ah! you know like this kind of thing because i was yeah i saw it when i was about nine so that would have been around 88 so i've been out by for nine years by that point the little mouth just scarring you like <laughs> now i just wish i had that like you know that seems so anyways i wouldn't have to reach for food anymore I could just you know eat it off my plate it. <laughs> yeah if someone were really getting pissy at you you'd be like nah, 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 nah. 
Anyway, yeah. So that's how <laughs> yeah. uh, that's how we can. Uh, that's that's my first interaction with Alien. All right. Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, I'm very similar to King. I would say it's. I I've always had a fascination with this movie. I don't I don't actually remember which one I watched first. It was like randomly on on German television as well. Um, and I think it 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 kind of introduced me to sci-fi horror, and it kind of made me fall in love with sci-fi horror. Even though I would say that not all of the movies are great, and some are actually pretty shitty. Um, Ooh, wait till we get to three. I'm excited for that. <laughs> no, no spoilers, but <laughs> there are some of my favorites and and some that are not so great. But I think even even the not so great ones, for the most part, still had some entertainment value. And um, I just I just still like the atmosphere in all the movies and and the the monster design, obviously, and just what what it represents, kind of. And that's why we're doing the series because aliens are awesome. And um, I've always I'm I'm watching like every shitty sci-fi horror movie I come across that is kind of close to Alien. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it Just has something gives you that same spark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, you can never be as scared as you were as a child. I, I don't know how old I was when I saw the first Alien movie, but. Um, it was definitely super scary and super. I, I think the the tracking sound in the second Alien movie is what stuck with me for the longest yeah. time. Both of these movies have such all oh, the Foley effects in this. Like, mm-hmm. and I actually made notes about the point where the the one guy who's looking for the cat Jonesy, he's like he there's like water dripping down. You hear the water dripping on the caps and the and the the chains gently chinking in the background. It's just like. Like, oh, I don't know. just kind of gives me goosebumps. Like, just the level of work that they went to it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's get into the movie then. Um, we can do a little plot synopsis. I don't know if we want to retell the whole story. I don't think that's super necessary. But it's basically about a crew of space truckers, kind of. They yeah. uh, fly around space. <laughs> yeah. In a ship called the Nostromo, and I think they're delivering coal or something. Um, mineral ore. It's called mineral, mineral ore. Because in the future, I, I just, this is the shit I love. Like in the future, they're like, we need more mineral <laughs> ore. <laughs> yeah. just, it like, doesn't matter. They're, they're just space truckers, like you said. They're delivering yeah. shit. And they're actually, yeah, because their ship is really small and is towing this massive refinery basically on its back. So I guess the idea being the fact that after they've mined, it's like mined the ore, it, the time it takes back to to tow this thing back to Earth, it's basically like processing all that ore, this, this massive machine kind of thing. And that introduction is actually the first really cool thing. Like the ship design, the Nostromo, is super cool to look at. It's, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the... the uh, um, Star Destroyers in, in Star Wars, and but it yes. has like almost like gothic church kind of uh, buildings on top, and it, it yeah, the looks... towers on the on the platform is like yeah, crazy yeah. looking. Everything mm-hmm. seems like more mechanical than than like futuristic space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it very much feels like a uh, setting. 
that is 1979 what if technology stopped but still advanced you know what i mean like it didn't like we didn't get that 90s you know apple aesthetic that would eventually come along like it's just like okay it broke off on its own path and this is now what it looks like 200 years in the future kind of thing it, it feels like, like yeah. it's it's super high tech obviously um but it's it's like the 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 garbage truck in in like a super high yeah. futuristic society, right? So it's oh, not like 100%. there's a polished uh, like leading ship of the army or something. It's just a random like ship that transports minerals. <laughs> yeah, and it's oh, very yeah. it's very industrial. And the spires like I I worked at a steel mill, and the spires look like blast furnaces, like what you would expect to see. Which is just like what is mm -hmm. a blast furnace? Well, it's like this just this like amalgamation of all these like you know uh tubes and stuff going all over the place for the various gases and heat and metals and stuff like that and that's kind of like what it looks like too it's just these spires of like metal like industrial yeah, and the, stuff right? and the inside of the ship also looks like not super clean not super shiny it's just like cables are floating around everywhere yeah some part i think the i think the passenger areas look pretty neat i, I like the mm -hmm. padded walls i don't know what what it is maybe maybe i need a padded room like i don't like i'm not trying to, i don't know what i'm saying there but you know uh i i just think it, but it makes but you kind of make sense because like obviously they got artificial gravity or something on this ship and like, if you get rocked around or something like that, you hit a wall. Like, if you're in a pasture area, it looks like it's not going to be a terrible thing, right? Because you have these nice padded, like walls and stuff and like that, and it's got a it, neat aesthetic to it as well, not just being practical kind of thing. That's an interesting point because I think the the living quarters are. It seems like they're very much inspired by um, 2001: Space Odyssey. Oh yeah, you can, yeah, you can yeah, feel that. Yeah, hundred percent. I will. Uh, I was gonna bring that up if you didn't mention it. Was the fact that this definitely took some inspiration. Like you can see, like I think the Passover shot maybe was probably filmed after having seen Star Wars because it has a very Star Destroyer vibe. But a lot of the design and the interiors, which they would have had to done way ahead of time, uh, definitely yeah. take or taking inspiration from a movie that came. About eleven years before, maybe more than that. I think it was like sixty-eight or something like that. that yeah, that yeah, sixty-eight sounds about right. Um, yeah. I do. Also, sorry, go ahead, King. Oh, I was just gonna say, I do love. We're we're already going off on a tangent, and Gizmo, you've only <laughs> explained the first like half of the intro of what this movie, like just the plot. But yeah, like but that's how passionate the like we're, we're. I'm excited to be like, oh, did you guys know this and this? Because that's how excited we are about it. But yeah, it's. It, 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 bringing it back, it is a mining vessel on its way home from a mining trip. They're supposed to be home in in and they're in hibernation. And then what happens, Gizmo? Um, one last thing I wanted to mention about the living quarters. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, eventually we'll get through the plot because we should set up. We should set up the movie with another sentence and then go. <laughs> this might be a two-parter just for one movie. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> no, obviously it, the nostromo rules like let's be real yeah yeah the nostromo is super cool yeah. but it fits so well because we just mentioned 2001 and um the the um the room like the spherical room um where the captain and later ripley um talk to the to the ship computer is also like super inspired by by 2001 like the the room where they talk to hell 
And I never noticed that until I, I watched it uh, yeah. two days ago. Also, the relationship with this the, the the ship's computer, essentially, which they call mother. Mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and th th that was just crazy for me. That was such a mind-blow moment. I have to say, um, I think the last time I watched this movie before before now was uh, like 10 years ago or something. So That sounds about right for me. It's been a, um, it's been a, quite a while since I've seen it. What uh, I saw this a couple of years ago, maybe. Mm. Um, anyway, they um, the crew is in cryostasis, and um, they are uh, they get um, they are woken up kind of by um, by the ship computer, and they um, try to figure out why because they're not even close to home yet. And they figure out that it's, there's a distress call coming from a nearby planet. And um, they are contractually obligated to follow any distress signals, apparently. Um, and they get to a planet um, and they discover a derelict ship on the planet. <coughs> Excuse me. And in the derailed ship, they discover like a super creepy alien. That's that's like it's it's a, uh, apparently the pilot of the ship that's laying on a on a mechanical kind of bed, and it's it seems like it's all, almost fused into the into the contraption. And they 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 walk around the ship, and they discover an egg or like a, a farm of eggs, basically. And while um, uh, why, 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 um... Editing gizmo here. I was a bit sickly and very sleep deprived when we did the recording. And at this point, the headache really started to kick in. That's why I probably sound a bit unfocused this episode. But I hope it's not too noticeable. Well, one of them is checking out down below. Uh, accidentally knocks into one of the eggs, wakes us something up, and gets something attached to his face. Basically, well, the, originally the 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 mask of his spacesuit, and eventually it kind of eats its way through to him. Um, mm. Do yeah. you want me to just take over for a bit? Yeah, sorry, my my voice is a bit. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, Giz is kind of getting a bit coming down with a cold. Dang. Uh, so. We end up the crew try taking him back. The uh, the three that go out there you had you had um, the captain whose Dallas. name is Dallas. You had the navigator whose name is Lambert, and you have uh, Kane, who yep. is the the character that gets the accidentally falls. He's the XO, the executive officer. He, he he's the one that gets captured. They take him back to the ship, right? And at this point, Ripley, who's considered the warrant officer, is still back at the ship. That's Norky Weaver's character. Uh, doesn't want to let them back on because she sees the thing. She goes, well, we can't. This is protocols are. However, the the scientific officer, who's very suspicious the entire movie, basically, still overrides her and lets them in, right? So they examine them. They discover that this thing that's got this basically looks like a hand that's going over his guy's face with a tentacle rolling around the neck, threatening to kill him, basically. They try to remove him. They discover his blood is acid. And eventually it just ends up dying, right? And they can't figure out what the heck is going on here. Come to find out once Kane comes back to basically 
uh, comes back to uh, like consciousness. He seems like he's fine, but no. Uh, but just before they go back to Crow speak, they're having a dinner, and sure enough, the infamous scene where suddenly something comes out of his gut, ripping out of his gut. It is the alien born anew, and it scurries off. Right, and then and then now it becomes Jaws in space as they try first to <laughs> eliminate this thing and then just try to escape. And then uh, as uh, spoilers for a movie that's over 40 years old, everyone but Snorky Weaver and her cat Jones dies. So that's that. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoilers. Seriously. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, I, if they didn't know that uh, Sigourney Weaver has made it to all the other movies, um, then I guess that is a big spoiler because <laughs> they do take place chronologically. The first four. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that is, um, that is the sum up of, Hey, something's on board and now we got to go kick its ass before it kills all of us. And, and horror ensues because man, is that Xenomorph? I mean, just when they crash landed on the planet for the distress call, man, that that's like you're like oh no this was a bad idea we should we should not have come to this planet never if somebody sends out a distress call never answer it just let so, somebody else answer it if you're in space let's 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 just talk a bit about so it's very limited settings right you have the nostromo which is the ship that, that that's basically like a tractor trailer pulling the, these giant refineries and you have you have the planet right uh, which they go down to investigate, which, like, just how sinister is this? I wrote a note basically saying, ah, the the capital, like, you know, expendable workers under capitalism. This is essentially the story. Because the company knows what's going on there purposely while they're under cryogenic sleep, send a message to the ship to basically go, go check this out, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And then... Uh, for later, though, we discover the fact that this is all done under sinister pretenses. Like they know that something's there and they want to get it back, no matter what. The crew's expendable, right? Yep. Um, and lo and behold, it's kind of uh, Ash, the science officer, is the one that's kind of uh, who they purposely note got swapped off at the last minute. Like originally, they had a different science officer, and then suddenly Ash came aboard, and they're like, "Oh, this guy's kind of weird." I don't trust them. And then Dallas is like, well, I don't trust anybody. So <laughs> very uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone want to say anything else about the settings before um, we get yeah, to let's pick it up a little bit and uh, talk about how, how they introduce like the, the, the relic chip and the, the face hugger and stuff. I, I really like the pacing in the first half of the movie. Like, um, Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's setting up, uh, an atmosphere and a setting up the the alien super slowly and but deliberately and the set designs let's talk a bit about the set designs because the the relic ship it looks so cool on the inside and um the pilot that's designed by by giga also like super creepy and um they notice also that he had something that burst out of his body at some point so that's also a, a hint of what's to come and um another thing that i also noticed is that i love practical effects like uh, the <laughs> animatronics and the the practical stuff that they use like the eggs and when they have a close-up of the inside of the egg like that um 
there's light and there's movement shining through the, the, the outer layer of the egg. And that looks so cool. And it's there's no CG here. It's 1979. You know, CG was not really a thing back then. It's just um, it's it's just practical stuff. That's um, they had um, like a model of the egg, and actually Ridley Scott himself put like on a glove and put it inside the egg, and so they, and, and and moved around a little bit, and they filmed it from the outside. That's how they got this effect, and it looks so cool. It's uh, yeah, it's hard. It's you don't get to see this kind of stuff uh, as much in movies anymore, and it's a shame because. Um, you know, just the time and work uh, that 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 folks put into a set design, like oh, someday it could be there with computers and AI and all this stuff, but it ain't here today. And show me a set that looks I mean, just just the alien ship when they walk in, it looks like a like a living, breathing creature, but it's supposed to be this alien spaceship. You know what I mean? There's mechanical equipment, but like when they're mm-hmm. walking down the hallway, it looks like a rib cage. Like the yeah, way yeah. everything okay. looks is is, and that's H.R. Giger's specialty, right? Bringing inanimate objects that that look like they could be alive and breathing, and it's everything. If you touch the walls, it would it, it'd be like sticky and slimy or something. And it's just supposed to be a wall of a spaceship, but all everything in this area just looks nasty. Like ooh, yeah, I, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, sure. it just sets you up because you're like, this is not human. This is something else. And I'm starting to get scared at this point because it's just unknown, you know? Why did they have to go down below <laughs> the, the, the the flight deck or whatever the heck it is? By the way, there's a term the fans call the 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 dead alien that's in the chair. There's a term the fans made up and they've called like star gazer or something like that. I forget what it is now. Yeah. Well, well, oh man, you guys don't even, if I don't want to spoil anything to Ed either. Cause these are in future movies, but like shout out Prometheus and how we get all of this stuff connected. But I, I don't want to go too far down this road. Cause no, like no, no, no. But even before Prometheus, I know what you're talking about, but even before Prometheus came out, Fans created a term, uh, and I was just trying to remember. It doesn't matter. It's not that important. I think it's because uh, the creature, it looks like it's on this chair, and it looks like it's its uh, looking through a telescope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, it does. Um, and that's, like, really the only evidence. And obviously, this whatever creature it was, uh, that's, that's because at this point, it's, like, it's basically, uh, they describe it as, as being not calcified. What do you call it? It's, it's essentially like a... Uh, um, Although it's mummified, is it mummified or is it? I mean, uh, that's what like, he—that's what he looked yeah. like. He looked like he was mummified because, like, it's just a skeleton with like a little bit of like, yeah, you know, yeah. So essentially, muscly he, tissue. It's—he's—it's it's been sitting there for for long, long, a very long time, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, but this thing, this this creature is massive. Like it, it would stand like almost twice the height of a human if it stood fully up kind of thing, which is also kind of like the fascinating part of it. Um, and, they, and they don't go to any length to explain what the hell this is. Yeah, that, that's an, another aspect that I think is super cool that they introduce like this mysterious concept, like this crazy uh, looking ship, this weird dead alien, um, the the farm of X, and they don't really explain where where all of this is coming from. And I think this adds to the suspense and just the overall the, the mystery of the world that they created in Alien. And 
we will get into more detail when we get to Prometheus later, but that's something that gets lost somewhere along the line. Uh, yeah. And, um, I, it kind of makes you think, what were the creators of this? Because like when they made this movie, they didn't have, I, I maybe they did, but they really didn't have sequels or anything in mind. It wasn't like they built this from the ground up, like, like what became so popular in the late 90s where you create a trilogy right from the bat. It was right. just it was just a one-off thing that just happened to have all these little nuggets, but like they didn't like they just did it to create that that sense of wonder and not really to like give a something that they're gonna oh don't worry we'll answer this later like I have no 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 all the answers from Prometheus and beyond are like are stuff they came up with after the fact right? yeah oh a hundred percent very cool fun fact about this um. Ridley Scott was actually the one that uh, wrote the, the last act of the movie where um, it, it seems like Ripley escapes the the ship and blows it up and the alien is gone and she's about to go into cryostasis for her trip home. And it turns out the alien is on board of the, the shuttle that she um, escaped with. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And in that... Uh, that that entire act was actually written by Ridley Scott, not the screen screenwriters, and he wanted um, the alien to kill Ripley in the end. Oh And wow. the producers convinced him to uh, rewrite the ending so that that Ripley survives. Um, so that, that, that makes sense. Like that would have been a more true sort of like horror ending. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that she thinks she's safe and she gets off. And then the last moment you just see this alien that kind of gets, and it's like, well, what happens? Gets back to earth and Ooh, you know, but, um, capitalism wins again. That's <laughs> like a <laughs> shitty end. Yeah. That'd be like a shitty ending. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, cause there's uh, something exciting about her, especially in the, given the time period too, like a woman main character, she's like a superhero in this film and in this franchise, she definitely is. But yeah, I mean, it's like a, she kicks ass. Hero. Yeah, she's an action hero, and there's not a lot of movies like that at this time with with a female lead like that. And she she not only that, but she was also in incredibly competent and didn't want to just brush things off. Um, no, she, she, she yeah, like all of her moves were very careful, even at the very beginning when she's like, "Nope, we have to follow protocol." You're putting everyone's lives in danger. Then everyone else just kind of does what they want to. Yeah. Um. She um uh, when she wanted to keep them in quarantine, that was um a pretty cool, like, scene to show to create some tension. Um, and um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. One, one thing I, I was oh, gonna I... say with the with the with when she goes uh. Uh, hey, you can't come in to the ship to to John Hurd and and Dallas and all uh, her crew that have just been you know was infected with the alien. You know, immediately my thought was almost like, yeah, this is probably how COVID started too. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody was fucking around with the xenomorph, and that's how you get COVID. So that you got to follow the protocol and keep the uh, infected alien I, folks. I, I in feel there. like we're we're more sympathetic to Snorky Weavers character post COVID like yeah fucking follow procedure god damn it <laughs> yeah put that mask on you know what I mean uh, she and because she is she's rightfully scared like dude there's something on his face um we have very my understanding of the world is they the human race has like 
understands that there is alien life out there, but we, but, but like, I don't think any person has single-handedly come into contact with such a huge example of life on another planet. Like it's on his fucking face. Okay. Leave his ass out in space. That's, and that's a rhyme right there too. You can take that to the bank. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's also a pretty cool, like, um, first uh, scene where we get a hint that Ash um, is actually working to protect the alien, quote-unquote, because he wants to bring it back to Earth, right? Because he's the one that that overrides the, the door lock and lets them in. Yeah, um, his motives are, are, you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? What are you doing? I'm, Don't do that. I'm interested to, to hear Ed's opinion about uh, the twist <laughs> uh, that, that Ash is like an android. A little and- robot boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Shout out shout out Adam from Pluto. <laughs> yeah. What a what a sneaky little bastard. Did did like, you see that coming? <laughs> yeah. Well no, I didn't really see it coming, but I was like, well, this makes sense because cause like also there was a point where, where um Ripley <clears throat> was was saying it's like, Hey, I'll talk to mother or whatever, and then you keep doing what you're doing, which is absolutely nothing. Kind of showing that Ash wasn't really helping them whatsoever do anything to help alleviate the issue. Mm -hmm. And then, bam, he's trying to murder everybody. That that fight scene was very weird. It it seemed very weird. And I was putting myself into a perspective of someone who doesn't know that Ash is an android. I was like, what the hell is he doing? Like, he wanted wanted to choke her with a... He took, like, a magazine, rolled it up. rolled it up. And what to choke her? It, and yeah, he's stuffing, he's stuffing it in her mouth, basically, so she can't breathe. Yeah, I mean, um, it would have been more effective if he just put it like sideways to stop her from screaming, and then just use his powerful robot hands to choke her or something, right? Yeah, right. I, I he's was, like having was, a malfunction or something. Yeah, yeah. I was, point. I was thinking, why did they do this? Because that's super and su- a super inefficient way to kill someone, right? Do you think it could have been like them conflicting, like AI Ash versus orders from Mother? type of thing uh, yeah well it could be that he's just he's programmed to be a science officer he doesn't really know how to kill someone maybe and so he's also like the ship doctor and um, so trying to choke someone or trying to suffocate someone he's programmed seems to, to help I, not to hurt yeah, yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> well, i feel like we're getting a little caught on the weeds on uh like the the, the how it's just the fact that like um it's interesting. I can't wait till we come to the next movie because they have a conversation about this interaction, right? With this, this synthetic, basically the, the Android. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, I, I just want to mention if you don't, if you haven't seen Ian Holmes, so Ian Holmes is the character that plays Ash's Android. He's a famous mm-hmm. like character actor from England. Um, probably Bilbo, the most Bilbo recent, Baggins. Yeah, B- yeah. Bilbo he, Baggins. He's the old, uh, the, 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 the original thing. trilogy yeah 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 and so uh i think it's him but you you've probably seen him chewing furniture or scenery in the background somewhere in some movie or something like that he's been in a lot of weird stuff uh especially from like this era like the 80s and 90s he was in a ton of stuff uh, and 70s actually as well. And he passed away a couple of years ago. So rest yeah, I think uh, I was looking it up earlier. I think it was 2020. He passed yes. away. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he does such a good job being just a sinister little 
shit in this movie. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, right from the get go, you're like, don't trust this guy. He's don't a trust sussy. him. Oh, and and just it, just from his outfit, right? Because he has like the nice spiffy. Yeah. Um, corporate pressed outfit and everyone else is wearing like t-shirts and uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character is wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So like there's lower class working stiffs and then you got this science officer who has this like, oh, his shirt is pressed and it looks like neater than everybody. You're like, I don't trust this motherfucker. This guy works for the company. I don't trust a company, man. And it's, it's, it's hard because I've seen him so many times I've seen it so many that I keep forgetting. It's like, oh yeah, he they're not aware that he's an android. Because I'm thinking to myself, well, why wouldn't they just send the android down there? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, no, he's a science officer. He stays back on the ship. And it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, because that's the machinations that are going on, right? Yeah, um, that's what I was thinking too. I had in my mind, okay, he's an android, but they, I, I have not had not put together at that point that they don't actually know that he's an android. We just get the feeling that they don't really respect him, like the. Um, the engineer guys, um, they kind of like order him around and they're like, hey, you on my seat, get out. Yeah, the best is when Parker comes in and goes, you're in my seat, man. And then like, yeah, he's yeah. just like immediately gets up and out and like he's... So you get already a bit of a hint that there's tension there and that they don't yeah, really trust yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, Because if you know this, everyone else basically has a good camaraderie. Even the like, even the like stiffer like Dallas and and Ripley and stuff characters they 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 have a good relationship with everyone on the ship. Obviously the the two maintenance and let me just say as someone from transit, usually maintenance people make because of the specialized skills make more money. So the fact that the maintenance people are the ones <laughs> like trying to get equal terms of operation is kind of a wild concept mm. to me because usually it's operations they don't get. Uh, at least from where I'm from, anyways. It's just funny. I was uh, I was wondering if we were going to bring up the talk about shares. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the talk about of the, equal the, pay the for all the workers. Pay? Yeah, well, that's a. I mean, dude, that's what's that's such a another topic is just like that's what makes this film feel so real. Is my favorite thing about this alien movie specifically is it's a real look at what people in 1979 thought the future would be like thousands of years they're like in the thousands of years we're going to be able to go in space but we're still going to dispute pay shit and we're still going to wear hawaiian shirts so it's like (laughs) we are still the same people it's just we have better tech and that's just i mean like it draws you in you're like okay i feel like i could actually be there and and there's still kind of a class divide because it feels like the the two maintenance dudes they are it's it seems like it's more janitorial work than like space engineering which which is what you think like tinkering on a spaceship would be you know uh and so that's that's also super interesting um uh it it very feels but the one thing i'll i'll say it feels very authentic like it does feel like a working class uh like situation like even even though technically like they're they're officers of the ship and stuff like that they don't like they act like, um, you know, like what you might imagine a shipping crew in a future tr- space trucking uh, might do. But, you know, like... It, I mean, there are only seven people on the entire ship and they're... Yeah, I know. Yeah, so thanks like, AI, you took all our jobs. And- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the scale of the ship is insane for considering it's a seven-person crew mining, I think it was like 20 million tons of mineral ore. Gotta have that sweet, sweet mineral oral. Um, 
So it just gives you that like they can do a lot with just a few people now. So that's like playing into that future thing of like, oh, jobs will be easier and, and everything like that. But uh, they still have to it's time to, like space travel still takes forever which is a concept I love. Like there's no hyper drive like in Star Wars. Oh, we'll be across the galaxy in seconds. No, it's going to take two years and you have to go to sleep for most of it or you would go insane in space. Yeah, basically. But it also does the effect of like, again, we don't get into it. We're going to discover, but it also preserves your life. Like basically the time slept is like one tenth of what it would be if you've been alive and living kind of thing. So exactly. it's not like you're spending you're spending these huge amounts of time in space uh, and you're not losing that time in your life. However, you are missing out and like family and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, uh, what do we sorry, Giz, I don't want to step on your um, I want to go back to like the practical effects a little bit, because um, I think. One of my favorites is uh, the the face hugger. When they dissect the face hugger, it looks so nasty. Like, <gasps> oh, and yeah, then I wonder how they did that because it does really look like an alien creature that they're dissecting there. It looks super of... fleshy, and it like kind of like yeah. this might not be the best word to describe it, but juicy, like like slimy, like yeah, like for a second, for a second, it was like a lot of juicy, thick. Just like, damn, that, that thing juicy. Like, it's like, got the you, fattest tail. We've all seen those really crappy fake uh, like rubber props that kind of look like they're stiff, right? But this one was really, like, there was movement to it. There was jiggling. Like, when he was, when they were trying to dissect it, I'm like, if that were me, I would have tied up each one of its little arms and its little tail, made sure that bitch isn't going anywhere before yeah, it yeah. didn't get close to it, you know? <laughs> And it really feels. They like should have had was... Ed in there dissecting. Ed, you yeah, should have been the doctor. Him, in I would have been fine. I don't, yeah. And then just had a little torch right next to me, push of a button. That thing's done, though. Yeah. yeah. And or, it feels like it. It really was alive just a second ago. That's that's the main thing. Also, the shots of of uh, oh jeepers, uh, John Hurt. Like, or maybe it's a stunt double. I don't know. But they actually have a human neck. Like, it's not a prosthetic. It's a human neck with the tentacle wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's tight. You see it tightening up and stuff like that. And I don't know who, whose neck that is, but to me that'd be frightening, like a frightening thing to do. A, it's just really well done. Like it, it feels like the thing is actually just like tightening up on them. Also uh, with the sounds, because they they pump the audio for for the breathing sound. Like you you heard them like kind of mm-hmm. like like struggling to breathe. Yeah, when they were, and it was good. Um, but I also want to mention some negatives when it comes to the practical effects because um we actually we, we haven't really talked about the alien um, design all that much but um uh, the alien most of the time looks great it looks yes. super scary um, but that's also because we barely see it like we see like the oh yeah <clears throat> the, the, the face the, the jaws and uh, it's it, like it's almost uh, like this one the shot where it has like a lot of saliva coming off of the jaws yep. and stuff. That's super cool. Um, but there are also some shots, um, especially the last shot where it gets shot into space and then incinerated by the by the um, thing. Yeah, that's, where, that's that's the most offensive one, right? You can really see clear... that it's just some guy in a rubber suit. And oh uh, yeah, any full body shot. There's one before that where he's walking around and you finally see like 
the whole body and you're like that's just a skinny man yeah in a bad looking like suit so they it, they weren't quite there yet with the suit but uh i and here's the thing less is more in horror I yeah. never, I never want to, I, there's not really a movie where I'm like, wow, I'm really glad we got to see the monster. Like I can think of, I, I can count more fingers than on my hands, like movies that I'm like, if you just didn't show the monster, it'd be a better movie because of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, so yeah, the, the, oh man, I'm going to, the, the, the young black man who was a design student, he was very tall and very lanky. And I guess he did the majority of shots and like his limbs were extremely long. And so in the rubber suit, you mean? Uh, what's that in the rubber suit? Yes. Oh, okay. And, but so the end scene, I think, because they also had two, uh, two um, stunt doubles or stunt, like stunt people that mm -hmm. also wear the suit. And because of the way the end scene was doing where he's hanging from a tether, I think it was one of the stunt doubles, which was a little more husky of a guy. And you can kind of tell, like, it's like, he's look like you look at him on the outside of the scene and you're like, how did this, was this alien crawling around at anything? He looks so like, not, um, uh, what would be the term? Like not agile in that moment. Yeah. Not time. nimble, yeah. small. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, so you're right. It's almost like you kind of wish that there was some other way, but eh, like, I'll take the, I'll take the few bad shots on, on those things for everything else that they do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got another yeah, but... critique for you, uh, mm -hmm. Gizmo. Go ahead. Um, the spacesuits, when they're when they're going to the planet at first, you can tell that it's a shitty 1979 design because I mean the space looks the the spacesuits themselves they look you know like spacesuits authentic no complaints there, but the glass around the head it doesn't vent and you're thinking and so even at the time like when they went to space. If you're so you're breathing in oxygen, you're breathing out um, um, carbon dioxide, right? And if you breathe out carbon dioxide in a a confined space, it'll it'll take all the moisture. You'll it'll block your it'll like block your vision, which you can see happening in the movie. They can barely see through their space helmets, but like I obviously in the future there should be a filtration system so that you don't if you're gonna have like a a glass tube around you, it shouldn't fog up like that. <laughs> So, so but, it's and that's it's them funny. sweating their balls off because you know for a fact those suits aren't ventilated in the film so it's probably like a hundred and something degrees in the suits and i wouldn't be surprised if we could find an interview with a cast member being like that was miserable i hated it it was so hot in those suits yeah and i think i think it's uh it's a case of like if you and it's funny though on the suit design itself they designed event for the effect not yes, for it's, actual, it's, like, everything's going yeah, like, yeah, like it, it, they're constantly <laughs> as they're breathing, it's constantly shooting out some gas behind them, their head. But I really like, I really like the suits. I like the sort of weird hat, like lights on the top because it gives it kind of a yes. nautical theme to it. I don't know. It just it remind me of like old diving suits and stuff like that. The way that they were designed. Uh, oh, I'm sure they the, they even use them. Yeah. Also, like just to get for some reason you trigger something like the opening sequence. Which what a wonderful setting, like uh, like uh, establishing shots where they're zooming around the the ship, like or like slowly panning around the ship before everyone's woken up. There's like these two weird ass helmets that are like sitting on a console, and yes. the the as the computer's warming up and starting up, and there's it's scrolling across the screen, it's reflecting back in the glass. I was like, 
Those are weird helmets. But those are not the ones they wear out into the space. Like, what are those helmets for? Like, what? Just like, like oxygen. Yeah. 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 I, I saw those like, and I assume they're just oxygen masks like on a regular airplane that, that we would get on today, but just futuristic looking. I, they, they just but, take so many normal things in this movie and they just make, they're like, what if it looked cool and futuristic? And you're like, yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, it's not, it's not all like a, a Chekhov's gun. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they, they, there's a lot of things that you see and you're like, well, that's really cool. And it's just there to be cool. Yeah, like, yeah. You know it's not I mean? explained like, and it doesn't play a role or anything. Yeah. Um, and another thing about, about the ship design, I think like the interior looks super cool and there's a lot of locations on the ship and everything looks different and stuff, right? So that the set design really amazing. But there's some things that are also kind of weird because it feels like it's it's raining inside the ship. <laughs> and yeah, like, I, I, oh, there's all this water Everyone's coming from. super shiny. Every, yeah, everything yeah. in the future. The, even I was going to say the like future the, is moist. <laughs> the future is moist, the future, or it's frosty. Like there's yes. the panning shot at the beginning, you actually see like glints of frost and stuff on the ship before it starts to warm back up again because it doesn't need to keep the heaters on when the humans are all sleeping, right? And right. so there's like all this like frost, and like that is such a common theme in these movies. Like going forward, they keep coming back to that where. Like it's like the point where in like Alien Three, like they're cleaning the uh, they're cleaning the uh, the sarcophagus or whatever off the look inside of it and stuff like that, right? And there's like this frost on the uh, glass kind of thing, mm. and, that, and it's just like there's constantly like these panning shots where you're seeing like this sort of frosty like residue on everything. Yeah, and I don't know what it is. They love having that. I mean, it's just I think it's a horror effect to add like. If you look at something on video and it's dry versus like, hey, spritz it with a little bit of water. It's it just there's something in your brain. Your brain is like, I don't want that. To I don't want to touch that. It's going to feel gross. Mm. So you start to feel a movie just from yeah. viewing it. And yeah. as, as Ed said, everyone's sweating all the time. And even the ship is sweating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a scene where Brett, one of the engineer guys, follows the cat around, right? And eventually Shout gets out killed. Jones. Jones the cat. And that's also a scene... First of all, I think... Okay. Um, th this is actually a, a, a major thing for me, is that Ridley Scott, in his movies, his pacing is always a bit off for me. I, I feel like a lot of scenes in his movies sometimes are a bit too long. And yeah. that's the same with the with the chasing scene where he chases around the cat. And there is one instance where he's in a room and it's it's kind of raining from, from the ceiling. Yeah, I see where's this up. water coming from? <laughs> he's, he's looking up, he lets the water drip on his face and, and he... He, he almost takes a shower in the middle of the of that scene and I'm yeah, like, what's, what's it, happening? It feels like it is a shower. Um, I, think, I think it. I think he's just trying to like. I think he's just tired and he's trying to wake. It's like splashing water on your face, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But like he probably like my my thought is is this is all condensation from the evaporators and and like HVAC yeah. systems and stuff like that. And he knows Maybe, it, yeah. so he knows where the water is coming from. He's like, oh, this is just water so to hit safe. the cooling pipes, and you know, like it's yeah. so it's literally just. So he knows it's where it's but from. And it's th that's definitely fine. one scene that feels a bit too long for me. And in a similar way, there is a scene where um, they discover that uh, the the face saga is gone. It's it's it detached from from uh, Kane's face, and they yep. walk around the medical bay. And that scene is 
there's just minutes of them walking around and nothing happening. And I kind of understand it's to build up suspense, right? And then eventually we get the jump scare of the, of the <laughs> face saga showing up. Yeah, it falls down, it falls down from the ceiling on Ripley. But yeah, for me, the pacing is a little off sometimes. This is I probably that. the biggest critique I would have if, for this movie. I, I just he does such a good job of setting like a scene and just setting an atmosphere and just letting it like soak in. Like you talk about the wetness, like we are definitely, yeah. everything is getting damp. Uh, we're not rushing this. We're just letting it soak into us. I think in the beginning, it makes a lot of sense and it, it really works well because um, it's also conveys that like um, in, in space, a lot of things can go wrong and it really feels like they're in space. And when they do the, the landing approach on the, on the planet, it's, a, a very long and drawn out scene. The but countdowns. The, there's by the I, I counted them. There's like three different countdowns, and they're they're like they do that thing where they're like starting at twenty, nineteen, and then you're yeah. thinking you're like, oh shit, they're gonna count all the way down till one on this, and they did three separate countdowns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in in modern movies, it was would be like a five second countdown, or they cut somewhere, and then from it goes from t ten minutes to like. Uh, 10 seconds yeah. or something at a certain point. But in this movie, they if if you have a 10-minute countdown, then it really is a 10-minute countdown, you know? Oh, you're getting 10 minutes of blaring lights and alarms. Uh, That's what's so unsettling about the end is, you know, you have to hear Ripley screaming over the alarms, which is very realistic. But as a listener, you're like, holy shit, when is this 10 minutes going to be up of like just like this blaring noise in the background? Yeah. But I think the, the escape sequence... Uh, when she starts a self-destruct because um, obviously she has to blow up the ship with the alien on it that's the end yeah. plan is like we gotta i gotta escape we gotta blow yeah, up the ship which is that's like the end it? of every resident evil game now that i think about it <laughs> like once uh, once they're down to the final like once ash it turns out that ash did this all like was in cahoots with the company and mother to get back a sample to earth they're basically like, yeah, let's just get the fuck off here and blow it up and we'll just try to make do on the shuttle. Right. And so I what are Parker and Lambert grabbing those big is that auction, like spare auction? Is that what they're getting? Yeah, the the it's um it's coolant to cool down the machine that makes oxygen. It's just, hey, if we're gonna escape off this uh big ship that has all of our supplies, our little ship needs supplies. So that's that's basically what you should look at it as it's gonna regular temperature, gravity and oxygen stuff like that so it's just fuel is the best way to describe and, and it and so and in in the process we discover the fact that like uh, like the alien obviously they're making a giant racket so the alien has no problem finding them and we lose parker and it, it's so frustrating it's so frustrating because um like you get the scene where Parker has his flamethrower but he can't shoot the thing with it because Lambert's basically on just on the other side so I would have torched. I would have torched your ass. I'm. I'm just saying it right now. I. I. I, I she. Because she was like, I can't get out of the way. Because she's paralyzed with fear. And yeah. I'd be like, All right, sorry, you gotta go. I, I'm trying to live, and I'm gonna smoke this alien right now. Uh, yeah. And so and so he tries to run in to push the alien out of the way, and of course the alien kind of just has that Parker kind of thing. And yeah, and then he gets Lambert because she's still terrified. Yeah, like she's still, she's still, 
interesting so have you guys heard the i don't know if the theory or if it's actually been but the fact that all the characters were originally written genderless and so that's why the for the most part the female roles work so well is because the fact that like it wasn't written like with 1979's sensibilities like modern sensibility or Mm -hmm. whatever bad sensibilities about how females should act uh like and the fact that lamp like they purposely use last names only right so you don't get first names so lambert could have just easily oh, been right, a dude, yeah. like i never considered that yeah. yeah but i i heard about the genderless thing yeah that's yeah, actually really so. fascinating because if you watch this too there really isn't like the idea of gender or talking to each other in different ways isn't even brought up like yeah the, it, just, there's more and, of a there's more of a class thing and that's only just like a teeny tiny minute part of the movie versus like there's nothing about gender. So that's like that's another cool thing about the film. It's yeah, it makes sense. Things in the don't future really doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. yeah, all of these things don't matter. Um, and um, the writers they did that so that the casting directors had like free free choice basically who they wanted to cast for what role, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, like it, it wasn't meant to be like a strong feminist statement, but it ended up being like just just purely based on the fact that just how the stars yeah. aligned. And that's, that's exa- exactly how it should be, role. right? Because Sigourney yeah. Weaver was the best choice for the main role and so they cast her. Because, God, yeah. she's so good in this movie too. I mean, yeah. just shouting out her acting ability when when she has a look of, look of terror on her face, <gasps> I'm you're right there with her. Like she'll be leaning on a wall, like Those, looking around like, her room and oh my <sighs> God, it's, it's horrifying, dude. Just... The fact that she has that ability to convince me how scared she is with obviously cameras and other people in the room. I don't know how she does that, but I felt it. And that's why her performance of this is just so strong for me. The lighting, the Foley work, like the, like the moments you're talking about specifically when she's trying. So she's just like, fuck it. And she runs and she sets the ship to self-destruct. Right. And it's a whole fucking process to do this thing. Right. And, and so essentially she turns off the cooling, uh, the cooling, like the, the system's cooling. Right. And she, and, and she runs with, with Jonesy and his carrier, right. To go get back to the ship and the, the alien ambushes her on the way. And so she's not able to get to the shuttle and she goes and it's like the scene where she goes, she goes back and tries to cancel the, to the countdown, but she doesn't do it in time before the cutoff point. And so it's going to blow up anyway. So she's rushing back and then she stops where she originally got ambushed. And she's like, kind of like leaning against the wall. And the whole time, like the lights, there's no like steady lighting. The lighting is flashing and stuff like that. And you're hearing the countdown and the, the throb of the ship in the background and everything like that. And it's so like, if you can feel the pressure on you, you know what I mean? Like it's so well done. You can feel in that, just that moment, like that kind yeah. of like, like it's like you want to scream and just run, you know what I mean? But it's, obviously, that's not the best way to do it. And then she gets Jonesy, makes it back to the shuttle. That uh, damn cat! That damn, damn cat! cat. J- Jonesy, get in the damn box! <laughs> also, yeah, and, and Jonesy—that's another thing. They they did they do a jump scare with Jonesy um, very early on, and then they do it again. So they they do the jump scare they with the cat have done that, twice, though. and I'm like, ah. Oh. Do you guys want to know a, f- a fun fact about the movie? Um, so uh, there's a lot of uh, Jonesy is the the of course the ship's cat. I love that little thing of hey, it's the future, um, and you can feel really disconnected because you're hundreds of millions of star miles or whatever away. Uh, 
but it's important for humans to still have like pets and stuff because there's yeah. some sort of familiarity there's a connection there so they have a, a pet for the ship that's cute i love that um and constantly you see images and and and, and scenes of sigourney weaver hugging the cat loving jonesy she is deathly allergic to cats so every time she did one of those scenes and i think they've tried to like bunch them all together or, or, or save it to the end she would like break out in hives and shit um I, and oh. and it would like mess her up physically like she like you should if you are allergic to cats you should not do that <laughs> but I, I think i heard that um she was specifically allergic to cat hair combined with the glycerin that they use to to um to make uh it looks like they're sweating all the oh, time yeah. they... it's all nasty i bet yeah it's terrible for your skin too yeah, it's yeah. just like you're covered in ooze the whole time bringing it back to ed's point <laughs> <laughs> where's osha and all this anyways um yes but i, I do lo i do love the visuals uh, when when the escape happens and when the lights are flashing and stuff and this is where um oh yeah we watched the theatrical cut um And this is where, in the director's cut, there's a very famous scene that's getting added that we also watched. It's the egg morphing scene. Mm. How do you guys feel about this? It was supposed I... to be in the middle of the chase. And um, uh, Ridley I... Scott actually originally cut out the scene because he wanted to keep the pace of the of the. I escape. think it was... I, I'm glad they didn't. Like it, like, it seems like... For the size of that ship, like how would you have time to go down into this massive pit to uh, to like uh, to go check? Like it's an interesting tie-in to what would become in later movies, but like I can see the why he cut it kind of thing. Did yeah. you say you, you're uh, glad he cut it out, or you're glad he? Yeah, like ultimately, I think in. for where like for where it is, like I I almost kind of wish he'd come across it before. The countdown because the countdown mm -hmm. feels so like uh, like important it feels so to harrowing. you like yeah, yeah like it feels so harrowing to have to add in this whole section where she has time to walk down the whole time i would just be like come on go 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 yeah we yeah yeah we don't have time to fuck around reason. with this yeah like why are you down here so i'm kind of like to me it doesn't feel like it would fit if they could have put it like after the like before before the android dies or something like that like before they decide yeah to well just before right before she starts the countdown right yeah, yeah right? something like that yeah. like that's the final thing where she goes and she starts the countdown then that would make more sense right like but anyways yeah. visually though visually it is very disturbing i love that kind of shit as a horror head um it's more slime more more grossness also i mean i i <laughs> It's always a classic trope in, in any sci-fi film. There's something messed up looking that's going like, kill me, kill me. <laughs> uh, I think of Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a scene Oof. in, that's a that's a movie we should actually review. That's a I, that's one of my oh, favorites too. I, I love not. The Fly. Can't wait to see those fingernails falling back off again. Oh boy. Um, no, but just like, yeah, just that classic thing of like, I'm so gross and slimy and disgusting. Please just end my life now. It's, it's very yeah. sticky over here. It's very sticky. <laughs> it's, but I, 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 it doesn't make sense to be there. Yeah. I mean, Mike, to your point, um, I love how the, the countdown really feels like important and intense and a slow down emotional moment of like, Oh, I got to kill my friend right now. Kind of trips that whole feeling up. But The visceralness of it, I, I wish they would have figured out a way to put it in there. And like you guys said, um, which we don't have to get into until Aliens 2, like 
what happens when your body gets taken by a xenomorph? Does he, well, does also he eat you there or what? You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. actually dead. You know what I mean? Like he was just he was taken. Obviously, he's taken to be another another incubator for babies, right? But um, maybe, ooh, because like, we actually ooh. don't we actually don't know yeah, that until okay. the, they haven't written that yet. Spoilers into the for the movie from 1985. Anyways, <laughs> but like the scene, poor Ed. The scene. Oh, did aliens? No, Ed has no, Ed hasn't seen, seen anything. Ever. Is Ed still here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone, dude. I left like 20 minutes ago. He's like, this movie sucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, uh, just that was the, I feel like Ed, cut in whenever you want. Just say, hold up. Um, holler if you got her. Um, that one thing that confused me, because they, no, I'm just kidding. Go. Ahead. <laughs> the one thing that is, you see, Dallas all strapped up for all the organic. Also weird that like alien, the alien nesting. Like, what is he using to make this nesting thing happen? Where he turns it all organic and stuff. Like oh yeah, that. that's like, also another thing. The alien went very quickly from like being like a small little baby alien that came out of his stomach yeah, to being like a super. Fully grown, six foot tall man. I'm yeah. like, yeah. where's where he getting? Because you got to remember, he's pretty big by the time he takes down his first human. Mm-hmm. Where did he get all those calories from? Because he didn't take that much from what's his name, right? Like, that, where is he? Get, I, I do appreciate that's something they run through the series is like from from when they burst out of your chest to like when they kill their first victim. It is very they they evolve and shed skin and grow rapidly without any sort of food source. Really, it's just. Once that thing's out, like if 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 you get face hug, man, you kind of fucked. You that like you screwed, dude. Like you're minutes away from there, getting screwed. Is there any? Is there any way? No, I guess not. Um, but it, now I forget what I was gonna say. Damn it! All right, move on. Yeah, I think uh, unless you guys have anything else you want to talk about, we are kind of at the end, and I would go to like uh, final conclusion. What, Do you guys think it? Well, I mean, I can't ask a good question. I think in the notes, does it hold up? Uh, for in, me personally, oh, go ahead, Ed. Oh, I was gonna say in certain aspects, yes. Um, like a lot of like the how do I explain? It? In certain aspects, yes, and then other aspects, you could tell how dated it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, um, like when you were looking at the spaceship at first, it looks really cool, but then once once you stare at it for a little too long, you could tell how how mm-hmm. much of a prop it actually is as well yeah. as other things in the background. Um, but, but when you're, when you first see that, that face hugger on the floor or whatever it looks or that, or just even the incubator egg, it, it looks, it looks amazing. You wouldn't see anything like that nowadays. Yeah. So in certain ways it, it certainly does, but the, the, the limitations of doing everything practical also dates it in a way. For sure. percent. That makes sense. Um, I want to talk about uh, for me. I think it holds up in the sense of act, just the acting from from the characters themselves. Yeah. Uh, the look of horror on these people's faces, of confusion, of of um, fear, is so convincing and and crazy. And this and it's just, man, I've seen so many bad movies recently in theaters. I just went to go see the new Timothee Chalamet Wonka film, and I'm like. God damn, this is like bad. This is just bad acting. I'm not even convinced these people are having fun in a candy world. Uh, <laughs> but in this film, in 1979, 
I just, I keep coming back to, I was scared looking at them and I've seen this movie countless times and I, I already knew it was going to happen. I was just like, Oh shit. Oh man. I'm scared too. Like it's just so strong. So that, that for me really holds up well. Yeah. Mike. Um, yeah, I, I kind of just said like, I think a lot of, uh, film creators would love a film to look this good. I think, we're kind of getting to the point where we're we're getting CG like not to be the whole thing, but just to be another tool in the tool belt rather than completely yeah. abandoning practical effects. I think a lot of movies recently, thankfully, gone back to practical effects, and that's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they really do hold up. Yes, there's some times when you see the rubber suit and it looks terrible. Yes, there are times uh, where you can make out, but I I just the design, the aesthetic. And just maybe it's a bit of nostalgia talking. I think it looks so cool. Even at this point, like, I kind of hate it when everything looks like an iPad on sci-fi. I would actually rather look like an old, like, 1984, like, CRT monitor. I don't know what it is in my brain where it's just like, no, we're just going to use the most practical thing. This thing only needs 64 megs of RAM to run. I don't fucking care. Like, it's it's a a four-bit three color monitor. That's all it needs. It doesn't need to be fancy and glowy. Of course, that's not the way things work now, but whatever. Um, so for me, I, I just think it is still a wonderful suspense movie. No one wanted to watch with me. Everyone was like, no, it's too scary for me. I'm out. Like, well, me and my family, they, they went, Lisa ended up in the kitchen uh, cleaning a bit, watching like fun shows on her iPad. And my kid went into their room and, that was it. So I think it holds up quite well to this day. Um, much better than some of the maybe the other films that we're going to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Not the next Ooh. one, but uh, maybe maybe a couple yeah, of other ones. You, you will see. <laughs> Mike, you reminded me too, real quick. Um, I watched this with a friend who had never seen an Alien movie. Um, I watched it Friday night before recording this. Uh, just as a refresher, he had never seen it. Uh, we had got some pizza, enjoyed it. And he, as soon as it was over, he did ask me, he was like, all right, so when are we going to get together and watch this next one that you're telling me about? Because uh, <sighs> it's so he's, good. he's just like, he's like, I'm, he's like, wait, there's like six more fil- or there's like five more films to watch. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, it's go time. So we ju- <laughs> just, we got, just, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We got him. <laughs> it's just, the only thing is it's going to peak next episode, but yeah. Anyways, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Actually, I feel similar. Uh, a lot of things hold way hold up way better than I expected. Honestly, um, like especially the set design. The set design just I don't I I never really focus so much on that, but it's so good. Like e- everything looks so real, and the aliens look so alive a lot of the time. Um, but again, I think the pacing doesn't quite hold up, or maybe it's just that I. I'm not super. I'm, I'm not a super fan of Ridley Scott's movies in general. Mm. Um, and uh, oh yeah, the last question for you, Mike and King, is um, how would you rank this uh, in the in the franchise? Like um, we have six movies. We have the four main mainline Alien movies, and then Prometheus and Alien Covenant. For me, I think it would be at either number three or four so this is definitely not my favorite of the franchise um but it's a cool introduction i have not seen alien covenant uh so i might be giving away my hand 
Uh, this is number two of the Pantheon. Okay. So. Um, gosh, I'm just, and what? Because uh, it's it. Are you an alien one person, or are you an aliens or alien two, which is aliens? Um, at that you, Ed, you're gonna find that that's more of a action packed film than this one. This yeah. is suspense, horror, psychological. Um, I think I'm gonna. Oh man, I love Bill Paxton. I think I'm gonna go with Aliens and then Just, this because I I'm a huge Bill Paxton fan, and he crushes it in that film, as we all get to see. But I, I love him so much. Rest in power to that guy. I, I think he's fantastic. So, but, I, but this is definitely my number two. And then I, all the ugly children can fight it out for themselves. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you would get to those. <laughs> Yeah, when we get when we get to this next movie, man, there are so many lines. When I used to work at a transit control center, there were so many lines when shit was going bad that I would shout from that movie. Like yep. we would just constantly quote it to each other because there's so many good quips. And yeah, half of them are coming from Bill Paxton's Hudson's mouth, yep. right? And Vaquesh and uh, the other characters. So, oh man, it's such a good movie. Already. That's it for today, guys. Oh. Thank you for joining me. Oh, hey, oh get, Ed, get one Ed last in thing. There. Uh, since yep. this this is a weeb thing, uh, if you like aliens, I we would highly recommend Magnetic Rose. Yes. Right? Oh, good. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Space themes, exploring weird yes. distress signals, stuff like that. So, if if you've seen Aliens and want to watch something else, uh, highly recommend Magnetic Rose. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of anime that kind of get the same vibe because horror is always difficult in it's, anime. It's tough anime for yeah, it's tough to, especially this type because it's more suspenseful than it is just yeah outright yeah. horrific. So, all right, right, nice. As always, you can find us at uh, linktree.animesum.net, and in the next episode, we are going to talk about the Alien sequel directed by James Cameron called Aliens from 1986. Goodbye, everyone. Check, please.